This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming Blog. With me today are three special guests. First, we have Matt Eiler, who am I saying first because I didn't know how to pronounce his last name, and now I do because he told me. <laughs> that was wise. <laughs> <laughs> because if I didn't call you first, I would forget. <laughs> Second, we have the one of the lead developers of the game Archmage Rises and a speaker at the Christian Game Developers Conference, Thomas Henschel. How you doing, Thomas? Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And we have, last but not least, Michael Jones. Hello. Or Hunter Cunning, depending on no, stop. looking at Skype or not. <laughs> no, bad. Or the Punisher, according to that. I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so today we are talking about... Okay, nobody's going to jump in, so... Punisher, no. how do you see sin in the world? <laughs> it must be punished. There you go. <laughs> um, vengeance. Yes, with a with a no, and not in uh, what was it? Warfare, the terrible one, the movie. What is Never there mind. like a? Oh, the second Punisher movie. Warzone, Warzone. Yes, I didn't, I didn't no. see that one. No, it's terrible. I saw the one with so Thomas bad. Jane. That's the one I remember. That was the good one. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so yes, we're talking about what sounds like something complicated, but isn't very complicated, which I call s- depictions of sin in popular media. So, Yay. okay, be fun. so Christians obviously have a mostly hate relationship towards sin, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least we would hope so. Now, generally the, speaking, yes, yes. The problem is that in popular media of any kind, video games, movies, books, whatever, you're going to encounter sin, sinful behavior, etc., etc. So how exactly do Christians respond to or engage with media that contains sinful behavior in it? That's my primary question. Uh, Can I start this off? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Okay, cool. So uh, I was actually really into Game of Thrones for a while. Uh, specifically the TV series. Um, And for me personally, that was a terrible decision because I struggle with sexual sin. And so uh, eventually when I realized, hey, this is a bad idea, I had to like actually cut myself off from watching that show. So uh, that's the only time I've ever had to really do that. Uh, But for me with like depictions of sin in in uh, media and whatever, for the most part, I kind of just roll with it unless it's that specific one because that's an issue for me. Um, yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> so don't watch Game of Thrones. Don't watch Game of Thrones. That's my answer okay, to so, the life but, universe and everything. But Game of Thrones is a critically acclaimed series and everybody seems to like it. So why shouldn't I watch it? I think is the question. <laughs> why shouldn't... Have oh. you ever watched it? <laughs> no, I have never watched Game of Thrones. It is... Uh, at least once, I'm pretty sure, in every episode, you see some softcore porn every time. Generally, yeah. It's, for it's no reason or thematically relevant? There, it is technically relevant. It's unnecessary, but it's most between of, characters. So. Most of the time, it's for... For what? <laughs> I lost him, too. <laughs> he said he said... No, did we lose him? <laughs> Mostly... Ah... Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Well, I'll jump in there then. Um, there's a really interesting. So this thing- person owns a brothel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Basically, you, it goes. You disappeared and then you came back and then we heard the Did words it? and he owns a brothel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, mostly for character backstory and like character development. That's that's yeah. Um, in uh, game development, there's a uh, a really good game designer called uh, Jesse Shell, and he used to be a juggler. And as a juggler, he learned the best way that you can put on a show at uh, like a fair or something like that, and something called the interest curve. And so when you look at the interest curve, you want to have these spikes of interest um, spread across your entire program. And so you take a, a show game of thrones or something like that and and you kind of map that out you're going to have a spike of interest with the first five minutes then you're going to have it somewhere around 25 minutes and then you're going to have it somewhere around the 45 to 50 minute mark and when you look at the times of nudity whether it's in sopranos or game of thrones or mosaic shows but showcase and all those other things or even in um amc's uh, the walk when the really violent um, stuff, it pretty much follows that interest curve in order to give you those those punches and spikes of uh, of shock or excitement um, to keep you watching the show. Huh. Wow. And I wanted to talk about sociology. <laughs> <laughs> so is this like a trend that exists in all television shows, or is this just for the ones that are the best? <laughs> or is it specifically well, designed in that way, I think is more the question. Yeah, that's that's what I'm kind of getting at. Is um, this is something I stumbled upon because doing, you know, game design is all about psychology, really, right? And and so, so I've been studying, and then I've been watching, you know, various TV shows. Uh, you know, I like the uh, the Rome series uh, from HBO, and um, you know, watching Game of Thrones, and I just kind of put that together and said, wait a minute, if I look at the time signature, it's pretty much following this, you know normal interest curve pattern that's like baked into human beings like this is something that's i would say god designed in human beings this is this is how we like our stories this is how we like our songs this is how we like most everything and uh and so i think that the uh, creators of whether it's tv video games music whatever um they either know it and in a um, kind of intellectual way and they're trying to do it or they have this kind of inside uh, intrinsic knowledge of like, oh, it, it needs something at this point. I feel like it's dragging, and then that's when they'll they'll put in something. Huh. As I do cutaways all the time, it's like, that was a good time. Here's some boobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Essentially. So, so yeah, um, like I said, the uh, once I saw the interest curve, I was just like, oh, so many things make sense now. <laughs> that's really crazy. I had no idea. So, of course, the punctuation marks that make basically this interest curve can be positive or negative things to the viewer. And especially if you're a religious person, then those positive or negative things need to be critically evaluated. <laughs> this is also true. And I feel like it ties back into the um, uh, the adage, like, garbage in, garbage out. You know, like, that's really uh, commonly taught in... Christian circles, like, hey, you need to watch what you watch because otherwise, you know, it can make you stumble or whatever, however you want to say that. Um, so, yeah, that's. I think that's where a lot of religious people get that idea from is like, hey, we're supposed to watch what we watch and 
Yeah, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Other than that. <laughs> like, personally, myself, I have no interest in Game of Thrones. And just, I don't know. I, I like Lord of the Rings, and I like that stuff, but I, I have my limits. <laughs> For sure. I, I thought it was, a, like, aside from all the sex in it, yeah, it was a great show. And still is, I'm sure. Um, they got all the right elements from, like, all kinds of types of games in it. But um, yeah. it was a good story. Very good story. But I mean, they just throw that into you type of thing it's not good yeah it's uh, i really enjoyed the storyline because it's definitely compelling but i couldn't do the i can do all the sex and you could just read the books technically the books are worse actually yeah what (laughs) yeah wow yeah i would say most of the time hbo takes maybe some original content uh like an ip or something like that and then they'll kind of add the sex and stuff but in this case it was the reverse <laughs> yeah i tried to watch rome also from hbo and they did the it was like almost worse it was like oh come on guys i just want to watch a show <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do it. yeah i i personally had to stop watching uh, sorry i had to stop reading the books um there was uh there was a scene of of um uh threatened rape in uh one of the one of the books i think it was the second book and i was just like okay i'm done here like this this is just brutal and um yeah i I, personally i didn't see what all the interest was in in uh game of thrones i thought they were about 800 pages too long i only found about 100 pages that were interesting so what i'm saying there is not to insult everybody who loves it i'm just saying when i made that choice to to not continue reading it 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 wasn't a high cost choice for me right um you know there's been other things that i'm like man i really really like this but i also see this is a slippery slope that that i could be sliding down and, and so i have to put it down for me game of thrones wasn't that hard to put down most definitely. So um, I, I have a question. What other depictions other than Game of Thrones have you guys seen that really like sparked your um, sparked your that sort of like alarm that goes off like, hey, I probably shouldn't be watching this or um, maybe this is not good for me or, or even like I don't want to experience this because I don't want it to. I don't know. It, it just bothers me. Hmm. However you want to phrase that. Okay, so I have been personally binge watching The Killing and I just finished it up a couple days ago. <laughs> Really? Yeah. So I watched the whole series, and The Killing is basically like a police procedural taken over the course of several seasons. So okay. it's like Law and Order stretched out, but like a hundred times more interesting. So, <laughs> so this is not really my kind of show. It's dark. Bad things happen. The third mm-hmm. season, especially, kind of was a, very much um, against my personal tastes, and I, I'll probably just say some kind of warning to people who don't want to hear about this sort of thing just fair warning in advance okay so the plot of this third season basically revolves around children who live on the streets of seattle and are basically like prostitutes and i'm talking like i would say young teenager at best and up and i mean it's not like graphic but it's there and it's all these like adults are taking advantage of them social service workers all this sort of thing and i mean it's shown and you know it enough and there's an implied rape and it's just like really awful terrible stuff (laughs) Mm -hmm. but that sounds horrific yeah but in in the course of the whole plot it was definitely necessary to make you not like these things that were happening to these kids and then to further enhance the darkness because there's a serial killer on loose who's killing young girls 
for some reason or another, and you know, it all gets wrapped up in this thing. But for me personally, I I think this is horrific and awful. But I felt like there was some part of it that was necessary for the plot to be as it was and to depict like a broken society. Because at the same time, it's also depicting a person who's on death row who was falsely accused by one of the main characters of the series. And so part of it is about how everybody is dying slowly (laughs) because society is not working to their benefit and it's not helping out the least of these, that sort of thing. So... Yeah, I I just read uh, uh not the whole book Amos, but almost, and then uh, Obadiah, and just talks about how you know God's basically destroying like Israel and uh, Edom and all these other people, uh, but it, he like tells them why he's doing it, and like it's like uh, you're basically ignoring me, all of your sacrifices, all this stuff is garbage, and you pretty much never take care of anybody, and uh, just like. So basically, society is turning horrible, like you're describing, and God had been putting up with it forever. And he's just like, "All right, I'm done. <laughs> Gonna wipe every one of you out." So, and it's just—it's like part of a church um, God's way of also doing. It's like you need to know that these things are bad, and you need God type of thing. But of course, your show is just like, "Well, the law does the best it can." <laughs> but never, there's never really like good. Guys winning or anything, you know. It's It's a very dark atmosphere, and it's definitely not my kind of thing. I like watching fun things. Yeah. (laughs) But I was compelled to watch the whole show because I did want to see where they were going and what they actually had to say about these things. So I think there's an intent that you can have behind depicting sinful content in any kind of media, whereas, like, if it's just there for shock value or titillation or whatever you want to call it, then I'm not really a fan, and it's not interesting to me. It's like, eh, whatever, skip the part, right? When the sex scene comes up in the middle of the movie and it doesn't add anything, it's like, oh, that happened. You know, I could just fast forward. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, you have to know if it adds something first. Yeah. So what I liked about Arrow is I mean, it had a little bit of dark stuff in it, but then at least you had a hero at the end who's coming to, to put him down type of thing. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched Arrow. It's a fantastic show, by the way. But, I, yeah. I've heard it's really good, yeah. Um, I, I think that uh, C.S. Lewis had some interesting things to say about this. Um, when, when he talked about the portrayal of evil, um, whether that's in you know novels or you know now in our time movies. I mean, he had movies back in C.S. Lewis's time, but um, his main concern was that evil wouldn't be watered down. Um, that evil would not be um, kind of turned from black to gray um, mm. it was very important that evil be evil evil should be repulsive and disgusting that's good yeah. um, and so it's it's a really difficult as a content creator myself making video games I sidestepped the whole issue with my first two games by making them for small kids now I'm making a game for hardcore gamers um, the question of what do I include? What do I not include? Is really a tough wrestling kind of a question. It's, it's something that I'm faced with in my work, not just you know consuming in, in content and stuff. Um, so I, I think it's important that terrible evil things should be shown as terrible and evil, like not kind of um, laughed off or or shown in a uh, 
kind of a small or, or shallow way. It's almost like you should see like the whole as it is kind of um, – I, I was watching a show recently and uh, somebody was killed and in, in, it was in a movie and somebody was killed. And I think for the next like three and a half up to five minutes, it showed mourning and sadness in all these other characters because this one character got killed. And I'm like, how many movies somebody dies and like 20 seconds later, everybody's fine and just moving on and stuff. Yeah. You know, like, like it's, it's treating, you know, death and losses as just very shallow. And, you know, I, I know that most movies are shallow anyway, but, um, anyway, so I, I think that it's, it's really easy to say, Oh, we should scale all this stuff back. Um, but I think you have to have a, a really good argument for, what you scale back and what you leave. I, th- I see that as the challenge from C.S. Lewis. I uh, I was watching uh, Avatar Last Airbender, the the second show. I forget what the, the second one they came out with, uh, but I was watching uh, that one. Avatar Korra or something like that? Yeah, Korra. And yeah. Uh, the last, one of the last episodes, uh, spoilers here. You want to pass for like... Spoilers! Spoilers! spoilers. We're all young. Uh, <laughs> uh, she loses her powers for uh for a little bit and and she's supposed to be the avatar this like super awesome chick and she lost all of her ability to to bend and uh so she's of course really depressed and uh so you had about like 10 minutes of like oh my gosh she lost all her power and it's, it's a really big deal and uh and then at the at the end she finally her spirit meets up with all the other avatars finally when she's at her lowest and she gets all her power back and it's just like in order to get that, like, oh yeah, woohoo, type of thing going on, you had to get deep down in that low. It's like, oh man, this is awful, type of thing. And I think that and it's important to see see the low points um, because it, I mean, my dad always said it's like, oh, you have to do uh, have bad things in order to appreciate good, which I don't completely agree with, but it does help a little bit. So, I'm done. <laughs> Um, so it, it brings up the question of um, what I call scarring, right? Scarring of your mind. Because I know that I saw the movie Seven in, uh, with Brad Pitt and uh, Morgan Freeman. I think I saw it 20 years ago, and it's still bothering me. Yeah, isn't yeah. that a creepy yeah. movie? <laughs> so I call that a scar. Um, you know, I, I wish I could unwatch that movie. Um so how do you show evil in its evilness without scarring? Um, I feel like a lot of people will and, – and this is you know, depending on how you want to view it. I feel like people experience enough evil in their own life, stuff that scars them, uh, that you may not have to show it in its full to necessarily get them to understand evil. You know what I mean? You can hint in a in yeah a yeah because I I know what it's like to be scarred like that, um, and it's really dark and it's a dark place to be, and just if someone even touches on something like that, all of a sudden you're like you're almost in that place again. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so uh, I've actually gotten free from that now, uh, and and I can see depictions of stuff that was. Uh, similar to the place where I had been scarred, and it doesn't bother me the same that it bothers me anymore. Uh, and I'll, I'll be honest, it's a, it's a process, and there's actually something specific that I did, and if you'd like, we could talk about that later. Um, 
because I think it would help you too. But the point is there's a lot of people who still deal with that stuff even like 20, 30, 40 years down the road. And you can even just like little little poke at it and all of a sudden they're like, whoa, this just got real. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you have to necessarily display it in its full evil power to for people to get it. Like, like there are some times where it is appropriate for that um, – to like build, have you have compassion for the character, um, but yeah, yeah, you need conflict or else there's not much of a story happening. Yeah, definitely. No matter what the conflict is with. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, and I think hinting is a is a great solution. Yeah. Um, back to the original point you were bringing up the, uh, uh, you know, sin and the media and stuff like that. I think a lot of us have built up uh, just massive amounts of tolerance to it um, where we just basically ignore it, like all the violence and killing uh, from pretty much 95% of my games. Uh, they're just like, oh, that's hilarious, you know, type of thing mm-hmm. where it's like, it's not a big deal. Um, but of course it is. It is a big deal. Um, and I, th- I think I've, I've got that line defined where I'm killing a, a guy in a video game. I'm not killing a real person because I know when like, like I kill like a frog or something, I'm like I actually think about it, you know. Or I had to put my dog down a while back, and uh, uh, you know, it's like this is real, you know, type of thing. Versus, well, it's like, oh, this dude's not even a real thing. So, but um, but sex is always real uh, in your mind. Yeah, um, you know, you can look on a woman with lust, uh, commit adultery with her in your heart, uh, type of thing. But I don't think killing is quite the same thing. Um, but so obviously, the hatred's there if you really hated a person, type of thing. But go ahead. I feel like it. I feel like it depends definitely on um, what kind of what kind of temptation you struggle with. Mm-hmm. Like, like for somebody who like has an issue with anger or has an issue with like, like they murdered someone before, uh, playing violent video games. Like, I know a lot of soldiers who come back from uh, like war and they go to play violent video games. Some of them who have actually done killing like can't play stuff like Call of Duty or Battlefield or anything like that because it reminds them too much of what it's like to be over there. Um, and other ones who haven't like who weren't deployed or who like just kind of laughed it off or whatever. I mean, how do you laugh off death? But I mean, like ones who um, didn't get like super scarred by it, didn't have PTSD and stuff like that. Right. Um, they they can play the games and they're just fine. So it really does depend upon uh, what you let be like a like a vibration point for you, like a like a chink in your armor, so to speak. You know what I mean? Has anybody played anything recently that they've or? or since this is theology oh, gaming, yeah. going back to video games. <laughs> yes. Has anybody played anything? Has anybody played anything recently that they feel uh, would like be like a good um, reference to uh, sin in media? Huh. Well, I guess I could talk about how I played Mortal Kombat when I was a little kid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this could well, be go relevant. for it. Okay, yes. so I don't know why, but I'll say so. My parents were basically Christians around like. Well, officially, <laughs> Christians, <laughs> late 80s, early 90s, right? And I kind of just went to church and all that stuff, and I was learning about Jesus and that sort of thing. So I was kind of a Christian from a very young age. That's all mm-hmm. well and good, right? But at the same time, I'm playing video games. So I got, you know, my standard Marios and all that stuff. But I'm also playing Mortal Kombat, and my parents are fine with this. Mostly because they keep telling me and teaching me that there's a difference between what it looks like and what the reality is, right? Mm-hmm. So 
you know, I may be doing fatalities and ripping people's heads off. And, you know, I'm a little kid. I think this is funny and all that sort of thing. <laughs> but I never really had a problem with violent video games at all. Mostly because it's just, this is what's happening on the screen. This is mostly about being a competitive fighting game and then showing up the other person when you win. You know, or, or to annoy your uncle or father to frustration enough that they throw a controller. I mean, <laughs> those are the kind of things you're kind of doing with Mortal Kombat. So, yeah. So the intent for me has never been like, oh, I want to kill dudes. It's more like I want to win the game based on this rule set. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly and right, man. I I feel like I have like a um uh like a, a, a the word that's like something that's like similar. Um, but in a different context. Anyway, I have something that's similar to that uh, in that I play uh, Magic the Gathering, which for those of you who play Hearthstone, it's pretty similar to Hearthstone, just more complicated. But like I have, I know people like in my church who like I tell them like, yeah, I play this game called Magic. They're like, whoa, you play a game called Magic. Whoa there. What are you doing, <laughs> you little sinful child? You know? And it's like, like, dude, it's just a game. I play it because I, I like testing my skill, you know? Like, I like testing my strategy and, and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it's it's to me, it's just a game. And to people who look outside and don't understand it, and it's the same thing with, like, Dungeons & Dragons, especially with, oh, my goodness, those chick tracts. Wow. <laughs> uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? The the Jack Chick Oh, tracks? yeah, yeah. That craziness? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he do you guys know like... He thinks like the Jesuits like set up a plan to kill Abraham Lincoln. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I I'm not down on the chick tracks. They're very entertaining. I'm, I just I'm don't know whether or not the they're real or not. Well, I, I think no they're serious. But, okay, so so there's these tracks made by a guy named Jack Chick. He was trying to, um, and this is good for people who don't know what these are. It's, uh, oh, you it's, mean like tracks, um, like religious tracks that you give out? Yes, people? like religious oh, okay. tracks. Okay. And it goes over. It, it's like these kids playing Dungeons and Dragons, and then, um, like, like they're the the dungeon master is like, okay, now you guys got to level five. Now you get to see the real magic, and they're it's, <laughs> and and then yeah. uh, one person's character <laughs> dies, and then they kill themselves in real life, and uh, and and yeah, it's so so terrible. And for anyone who's played D and D, you're like, this is just garbage, <laughs> you know. I uh, almost lost my eldership over D and D and uh, magic. Whoa! Okay. Really? Explain. Nice. Please uh, do. Okay, so I, I own several businesses, and one of them is a hobby store. And the hobby store is called Hobby Kingdom, and it's in Burlington. And uh, I started it in 2006. And I have uh, it's tabletop gaming store, so I have nice. games, um, miniature games, and card games, and board games. So. Uh, my church was looking for a, a new location to meet at, and uh, we have a banquet hall in the same sort of mall or whatever you want to call it, like same building, has a banquet hall. And so the church checked it out and said, yeah, this is great. Um, we're going to meet here. So um, I became an elder at the church, and one of the guys um, that was attending there saw that um, I carried Magic the Gathering in my store. And for two years, he sat on that uh, and didn't say anything to me or, or anything. Um, but then he, um, 
we were doing a leadership team uh, update to everybody, and we just you know talked about how we want to have integrity and relationship within the church. Mm-hmm. And so he he took that and said, yeah, you know what? I've kind of been I kind of had this thing in my mind for two years. You know, I'm going to go out. I'm going to talk to Thomas about it. So so he came up and he talked to me and and said uh, he had me over to his house and he read me all the scriptures about magic and how they're um, you know forbidden, um, you know necromancy and um, speaking to the dead and all kinds of other things. And, uh, and so, uh, so he read all those scriptures and then, uh, he said, okay, so you're, you're selling magic in your store and, uh, you shouldn't be doing that as, as a believer and definitely not as an elder. And so I said to him, um, is this uh, a discussion or did you just want to tell me what you thought? And he was kind of taken aback by that because he didn't actually think about having a discussion. He just wanted to tell me what he thought. <laughs> um, and so I said to him that, uh, you know, this is part of my livelihood. And uh, I, I do take Christ very seriously, very, very seriously. And he's Lord of my life in all things. And um, there's definitely things in this world that I like and enjoy that I've had to sacrifice because I'm not my own Lord. Um, he's my my Lord. And so... I said that I have, you know, thought about this and, and everything, and and very similar to what you guys were just saying about D and D. I said this this is not real magic. Um, this is a made up thing. It it just has a, the name magic, but it, it has nothing to do with real life magic. It's yeah. a card it's, game. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but even for instance, um, you know, one of his points was, why would you pretend at that which is forbidden? Right, adultery is forbidden. Would you play yeah. adultery the card game? Yeah, no. <laughs> probably and, not. And so, you know that that kind of thinking, like, okay, well, magic's forbidden. Why would you play magic the card game? You know, worshiping Satan is forbidden. Why would you play worshiping Satan the card game? You know, yeah. so it it's a very good question. It's a very important question that needs to be dealt with. So, uh, I said. My my immediate response to him was, you know what? I'm listening to everything that you have to say. Uh, Magic the Gathering is 30% of my sales. Um, if I stop selling it, I probably will go out of business. It would be very hard to pay the staff and the rent and all these other things and stuff. But it's more important to do what's right. So I took what he said and I said, you know what? Maybe the Lord's using you in order to get through to me. And so I went home and I prayed and, and, and I confessed and I asked the spirit for conviction and uh, I talked with other Christians. I talked with other spiritual leaders and, and everything. And I didn't have any sense of conviction whatsoever around magic. What's up? Come on. Come on. So Preach it, brother. Come on. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went back to him and, um, you know, we definitely followed the Matthew um, protocol that, that Jesus laid out. You know, we, we dealt with it between the two of us. And so I went back to him and said, you know, I have really tried here. Um, I, I've actually taken the stance that you're right and I'm wrong and, and really tried to work through that. And so I said, but I'm, I'm not coming up with anything here. And, um, and then he told me that when he was a teenager, um, he was playing Magic the Gathering and it got him interested in the occult. He didn't actually go and start into the occult, but it made him ponder, wonder, you know, curious kid. Maybe I'm going to go poke around and look at that kind of thing. And I was like, okay. Hmm. So what I understand you're saying for yourself, this was a gateway into the occult. And mm-hmm. he's like, yes. And so he said, you're selling 
a gateway to the occult in your store. I can't have you as my spiritual leader and elder in my church. So because you and I don't see eye to eye on this, I have to go to the elders board. And so, so we did. We went to the elders board, of which I was one, right? So that was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, the elders listened to him. And now here's the thing. All the elders, except for me, were over 50. Most of them were over 60. They had no clue what he was talking about, right? No idea. And so there was, I think, six of us on the elders. Um, so that created a whole education process of him saying, here, look at all these black magic cards. And you got Mind Vice and Demon Tutor. Mm-hmm, they don't mm-hmm. call it Demon Tutor anymore. Um, and um, and so he showed them all these black magic cards and how terrible and awful they were. And so as they, as the other elders received these things in their email inbox and they're looking at them, they're like, what is Thomas selling to children? <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, this is insane, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, – so what ended up happening was uh, we, we had a meeting with uh, all of us uh, there. And, uh, and again, I, I had to really think this through. And that's how I was able to share that, that C.S. Lewis thing at, at the beginning of this podcast is because um, I said, yes, the evil magic cards are evil. They are depictions of evil. That is the evil side of the magic universe. But that's not the only part of the story. There is the white side, which is, for magic players, knows kind of the holy um, side of things without being too holy. Um, and then you have the things in between of the red, the blue, and the green. Um, and so I said evil absolutely is evil in this, but, um, but there's also good and in, in other things. And so that um, really opened their eyes to, like, this is far more nuanced and complex than just here's six terrible looking magic cards and this is all the game is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, finally, and, and another aspect of this was um, the guy said, uh, you know, we can't worship in this church um, if Thomas is going to be selling these things at the store. Whoa. <laughs> and his wife at the time was running the children's program. So not only would we lose this family, but we'd also lose our children's program. So I bring that up just to say like, there was a lot on the table with figuring this thing out. And so, um, we walked through that very prayerfully and, uh, there was, there was a week where I think of the six, uh, elders, um, four or five of them were just like, yeah, this has to go. Thomas can't be selling this stuff. Um, but two weeks later when we met, everybody was like, you know what? I really think this is a matter of conscience. This is a matter of um, uh, meat that's been offered to idols. One person says, yes, there is power in this, you know, magic cards and this is terrible. It's leading to the occult. Another person says that has absolutely nothing to do with it. As a church, we're not going to make a decision on this. We are going to stand behind the conscience of each person. And so I said to this person, uh, listen, I'm going to take down all the magic posters that are like shining out the window. Um, I will make sure I never talk about magic in your presence and all these things. Like anything I can do in order to support you in not being a part of Magic the Gathering or any fantasy magic stuff. Um, But I can't live my faith by your convictions. I have to live my faith out by my convictions. And so ultimately um, that's how the, the elders board went. So uh, I was allowed to continue to be an elder and didn't get kicked out of the church. And as for him, 
uh, he decided to stay at the church and uh, for about three months or so, and uh, it just finally got to him. It just ate him up too much, and uh, so he and his family left. And uh, that was really sad because one of the last things that Jesus said, like in the garden of uh, going to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples was he talked about unity and he talked about the love that we have for one another. Our ability to get along with each other is the sign to the world that Christ truly came. And so it was so sad that this brother and I couldn't fellowship and couldn't have unity anymore over Magic the Gathering. Wow. <laughs> that's that I feel like that's like the situation where the enemy kind of came in and abused the situation, you know. You know it, what I mean? I, another interesting aspect of this is this this whole process of like, you know, figuring this out, educating people. Um we ended up uh, writing a position paper on this for other churches mm-hmm. that are faced with this whether whether it's D&D or or whatever else. Um it's about a 14-page position paper. This occupied the eldership for about four months, um, all of our meetings were about this. All of our communication was about this. Wow. And I, I think that um, it was at a very critical time in our church, and uh, we were totally distracted by this entire thing. Yeah. Dude, like, wow. You know, there's a scripture that, well, I don't know how much I'm going to say, but there's a scripture that talks about, like, you know, uh, if a man knows to do something that is right and he doesn't do it, I mean, it's sin. Um, however, that doesn't mean it's sin to his brother, you know. And, and you know, Scripture does talk about, like, not making your brother stumble. Um, yep. But, like, he let, let his offense get in the way of your connection. You know what I mean? You were totally willing to reconcile. And, and I'm not trying to, like, condemn or condone or whatever. But this is just how I see it and maybe I shouldn't be talking about this one on the podcast but um, I feel like I feel like um, the enemy abused the situation to split the church and let the church get distracted during a critical time um, and and uh, there was um, the fact just it's, it's like it's like over a card game man I mean seriously it's a game it's not it's not like I'm practicing whatever, and just because it was a gateway for you doesn't necessarily mean it's a gateway to other people. If we're going to talk about gateways, let's talk about poker, you know? Let's talk about, like, uh, oh, okay, so the church, Board of Elders, plays poker on the weekends. Well, what if somebody sees that and they have an addiction to gambling, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm not saying that your church Board of Elders does play poker on the weekends, but you know what I mean, like <laughs> – if we're going to cut this fish, let's cut this fish, you know? So, um, but I, I feel like if somebody has an issue with it, you know, like discuss it, but don't get all kinds of bent out of shape over it. You know, I feel well, like that's letting the enemy abuse the situation. Totally. Uh, like I said, it, it it totally occupied our time. So that that was kind of the dark side of it. But the, the light side of it is how God worked in our church and how the eldership really came together and really worked through a tough problem and created a very powerful team um, that was able to go on. Definitely. And community in that Definitely. Yeah. That is a really good point to make. That is a really good point to make. Uh, I uh, thought you did good with him. Just like. It's like, yeah, you're totally right. Let me check this out type of thing. That's that's a good thing on how we should deal with a lot of situations. 
I agree. I totally agree. Hey, I know I have blind spots, right? Like we were talking a little earlier about, you know, desensitization. I think gamers are probably the most desensitized. Like when I compare my level of desensitization to sex or violence or other things, um, maybe because I encounter them so much in video games versus, say, my wife or versus um, other people my age in my circles that don't game. Um, they they would have more sensitivities, and so I think um, it's important for us as gamers to understand that we probably have more blindness than others um, because of the things that we we play or do. So that's why I just I started with wait a minute, you might be giving a very wake up call. I think this is something I have a problem with because I realize that I play a lot of violent video games and also really weird violent video games. For example, one of my favorite games that I've ever played in my life is Bayonetta. And that is not a game that I would say I could recommend to most Christian people. Yeah, that, that thing's pretty like overly over the top. Yeah. yeah, it's brand of weird hypersexuality and... Horrific violence is a strange combination for a lot of people, but I just really enjoy the game mechanics, and the rest of the stuff is just kind of fluff for me. Exactly. My part was, I just didn't like the gameplay. Yeah, I, and, well, basically, the game of Bayonetta is playing Bayonetta for a high score, and ah. a lot of people are just not into that kind of arcade-like experience, mm-hmm. and then having this weird japanese flavored wrapper of craziness... Mm-hmm. Also, is not appealing to a lot of people, and also, yeah, for sure. there's like Bayonetta has clothing made out of hair, and she often strips while fighting, and she dances, and it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I just know a lot of people can't play it for one reason or another, but I just personally really enjoy it. <laughs> I, I hear you, and I feel like um, uh, it makes me think of like Christian video games, like okay. So, if you're not supposed to play Bayonetta just because it deals with some stuff that might be bad to some people, does that mean that I am supposed to play and enjoy Christian video games just because they deal with the with the uh, subject of Christ? Um, and and what is what are generally Christian video games known for in the gaming community? They're known for being terrible, <laughs> terrible gameplay. Exactly. Terrible so gameplay. so if we want to, you know, we could slice it both ways, like. Oh, I'm not supposed to enjoy this, but I'm supposed to enjoy this. When in reality, it's just a game. You know what I mean? Well, see, like, um, I want to bring up... Uh, has anybody played uh, Grand Theft Auto V? Uh, yeah. I plan on playing it at some point in my life, but I just have no interest. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, like, terrible stuff in it. You know, like, terrible content. Like uh, Thomas was saying, you know, like, I've, I've saw, uh, you, know, you know, prostitutes and all this other stuff. And, um, but the gameplay is amazing. You know, it's just like, it's got amazing gameplay, um, but it's got all this terrible stuff in it, uh, Mm -hmm. which um, it's not portrayed as something good. You know, they're not like, look, this person just had, got raped or whatever. It's like, this is fantastic. It's like, no, this is terrible. And we're telling you it's terrible. But they're just like, oh, there's bad stuff in that game. So don't play it. There's obscene amounts of uh, cursing and uh, stuff like that. And. And I'm sure it's probably not good for your conscience to play that game, like, just continuously. Um, but I, I just wish uh, Christian video games could have such good gameplay. If they would focus on gameplay and have a great message, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I was actually talking to um, 
I was talking to one of my church buddies uh, like yesterday about like him and his son. His son's like 12 uh, and him and his son have talked to, talked all the time about making like a Christian video game. And these guys are like, they're super awesome. I love these guys. But uh, I stressed the number one thing you should do, focus on gameplay and then worry about your message. Because and I explained to them like like Christian games are known for being known for being terrible, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I just wanted to emphasize that because I feel the plight. You know, struggle is real. Um, as a Christian who is a full-time game developer who's currently working on his third game, um, I will. Uh, I'll give you a little insight into the Christian game development community. Um, Please do. There's a conference uh, once a year out in Portland. Uh, I've been to it three years in a row now. Um, I, I participate in it, I speak at it, um, and uh, I generally care a lot about it because uh, I've met some amazing guys uh, and gals, but mostly guys um, there that are um, totally, totally sold out to the Lord and um, are really trying to make games that don't suck. Here's, here's <laughs> right? the big challenge. Here's the big challenge, okay? Um, when you go to make a game, it's very hard to make a game, first of all, just mm-hmm. to make yeah. anything, okay? I'll use the analogy of, of a novelist, okay? You write your first novel. Do you think it's going to be amazing? Probably not, right? It's going to suck. Mm-hmm. So, so you got you to gotta do that first novel, and it sucks. And then you got to write that second novel. It's probably going to suck, too. Then you got to write that third novel and that fifth and that tenth novel. And so what you see is the church has completely ignored video games as an artistic medium. Absolutely. Uh, the church has for a long time had music, right? We had Bach. Like we've had music for a long time. So Yeah. Um so we can pump out some pretty great music and we have a long history of music, but in video games, we have like no history. And no doubt. Yeah. Okay? So, so when when you have people, and you know all the people that I've met at uh, the Christian Game Developer Conference, we're all on like our second game, third game, maybe fifth game. When you take all that collective experience, it's a drop in the bucket compared to the secular world. Okay. In yeah. terms of in terms of uh, finance and the ability to fund the game, in terms of mechanics, you know the. Uh, Finding things that work and don't work. I mean, we all play the same game, so like, yeah. like, oh well, I'll just go play Grand Theft Auto and then just recreate that, right? Like, yeah, easier said than done. Um, so what you have is content creators that are still very much struggling. We're now, right now, I would say the Christian game developer community is making games of the 1980s quality. Okay, wow. but yeah. we're in 2014, and so it really doesn't line up, right? Yeah. But, so here's the thing. Here's the thing for the people listening, for the people that are on this podcast. Do you know what Christian game developers need from the church, from the community? It's only Support. one thing. <laughs> we need you to buy our crappy games. <laughs> that is the only way, myself as an artist, the only way I can get better at my art is to be able to have the opportunity to do it again and to do it again and to do it again. So I know that that's probably not an answer anybody's looking for, <laughs> but, but I'm telling you that is the bottom line fact is we need, we need someone to buy our stuff as we figure out how to make amazing 
gospel-oriented games. Well, I'm also like, I have never seen a Christian game on Steam or anywhere else that I look for games, you know? So there's, uh, there's got to be a better right way now. to get that stuff out there. I can tell you one right now. It's phenomenal. It's the best Christian game I have ever seen. It's called Adam's Venture. It's on Steam. It's a trilogy. I think it's 10 bucks for all three. It's made by Christians, uses the Unreal 3 engine, has fantastic graphics. It has pretty good voice acting and uh, the whole thing. It's a it's a triple A video game that was funded by the church. Cool. You know, I feel like um, projects like that need to, like stuff that's like funded by the church. Projects like that need to happen more often. Um, and let's like, well, no, duh. But like, like you were saying earlier, like gamers are an unreached people group. You know, if we're called to make disciples of the world, you know, shouldn't we have people who are focused on specific people groups rather than and and people who are actually passionate about those people as people, not just so I can reach them with Jesus. You know what I mean? Um, Because I feel personally like I'm called to reach gamers and nerdy people as a people group. So I feel like when someone kind of half-assedly makes a, uh, a crummy Christian game just so they can quote-unquote reach that people group and they don't even care what I think about it. Uh, it's like it's like a slap in the face, you know what I mean? And I'm not trying to say like, oh, you guys are making crappy games and you should stop doing that. Christian games, many of them are created by people with great intentions but don't necessarily love games. Yes. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's and- basically what I'm saying. Yeah, and I I agree with you, and I've seen those. Um, I don't think those people come out to the Christian Game Developer Conference, at least anymore. <laughs> uh, there, there's a new batch. There's a new batch of uh, of people. I mean, again, I've only been there for three years, but my my sense from talking to other Christian game developers is um, there is a new batch, and what we care about is excellence in gameplay and excellence in message, and and that's that's the two part thing that, that we're working on and we're working towards it. And um, the hardest thing, the number one hardest thing is to get funding. No publisher will give you any money to make Christian game. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. And uh, I heard an amazing story about the guys who made Adam's Venture and they, they spent millions of dollars making that thing and uh, they, they had such a hard time finding a publisher um, in, in order to get that thing out. Like it's it's not like Christian music at all. Like a lot of people think like, oh, you know, there's Christian music. Why isn't there Christian video games? Mm-hmm. Um, no publisher is willing to be the first one to try and make that first breakout, uh, you know, Christian video game. Nobody wants to be the first one. Yeah, probably just by reputation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe, right? Like, you know, a lot of money was put in the Left Behind video game um, and some other ones that, that failed spectacularly, right? So... Um, so you, you have the, the demographic of the, who's going to buy a Christian game? The Christians. Okay. Yeah. So the Christian gamer has already been turned off of what Christian games. So like, right? it's like, it's like if the whole world got to, got together and said, we're never going to play another role-playing game again. And then you pop up your hand and you say, you know what? We should be making role-playing games. <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> it's just like so hard, so difficult. So anyway, um, I, totally agree that gamers are a people group and um i i through my work on uh, i'm working on archmage and it is my art uh trying to get my worldview into a role-playing game that everyone will enjoy not just christians um, but anybody mm-hmm. likes role-playing games will enjoy yeah. 
Um, I, I am trying to do that. And you know what? I'm doing it with my own money because nobody will give me a cent in order to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, have you thought about doing like a a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo or something like that? Uh, absolutely. I've thought about that. Um, but uh, Kickstarter, um, from an industry standpoint, is is already dead. Um, you see super talented indie teams on there. People that are like former, like used to work at Sega, uh, used to work at Activision, get together, form an indie company, and they're trying to get funding for like modest amounts of money, 50000 100000 They can't get funding anymore. Uh, the, whole, the whole crowdsourcing thing has really... It's ha- already had its heyday. It, it peaked about 18 months ago. Yeah, I think it backfired wow. a while ago. <laughs> when people yeah, were I mean, not getting any games for anything they put in because they didn't realize abs- they were investors and not necessarily buying a product. Exactly. Well, I thought, I thought if you didn't... Oh, no, because... Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I thought if you didn't... Uh, um, like, if they didn't reach their goal, you got, all, you got the money that you invested back. But then I was like, well, no costs rise. And they're like, oh, we don't have enough money. And then all of a sudden, the project dies. So yeah, yeah. Two weeks ago, there was a big scandal um, around. Uh, I think it came out of Britain, where um, they got this uh, IP from a television show in order to make a video game about this uh, children's television show, and they they got half a million dollars, and they spent the half a million dollars over the course of a year, and they said budget overruns can't finish it. Sorry, everybody. And people are like, but 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 where's my game? Yeah, right? yeah, and it's like. Yeah, you don't get a game if there's no game, right? Like, thank you for your money. Thank you for your support. We tried really hard, but we failed. Um, And so that's going to keep happening. And then you're going to have, like, consumers just backlashing against the the Kickstarter. It's already starting. So anyway... That, that's a really long answer to your initial question of like, hey, what about crowdsourcing? <laughs> no, that no, that actually – that's some really good insight. I had no idea that it was even going that direction. Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, what are you guys playing? Oh. Uh, whoa, 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 I, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I wanted to say one more thing about Christian go, video games. Go for it. I think there's an additional problem with Christian video games is that uh, – they are reliant on people's personal convictions. And if they don't necessarily line up with those convictions, then that person is either not going to like that game or buy it. So you mm. can think of it like how many different denominations of Christianity are there? A couple hundred. Yeah, if not more, based on variations inside of those denominations. Mm. So when somebody comes out with a left-behind game, right? Yeah. If you're not a... Uh, pre-millennial dispensationalist right you're not going to enjoy this game because it doesn't represent your view of eschatology in any way shape or form and you might think it's silly and dumb possibly so there's a problem of how are you going to depict faith in the game and by what sense and who what audience are you appealing to and when it comes to people's religion they get really bent up over it <laughs> if it opposes yes. their worldview it's just it's just a thing that happens it happens to me it happens to everybody so christian games is really difficult to navigate that space mm-hmm. yeah. i think um when it I, I think there's a lot that unites us and very little that divides us but we seem to get really focused on what divides us right yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and yeah and so you know if you're going to make a very heavy-handed game in terms of like making a game about eschatology, 
you're totally going to have that problem. But that's not the only way that you can have a Christian game, right? Yeah, um, certainly. One of my one of my favorite movies that I call a Christian uh, movie, even though I am pretty sure it wasn't made by Christians. I, I tried to look into it to see if it was, but one of my favorite so-called Christian movies is Gran Torino uh, with Clint Eastwood. And in that movie, there is the greatest depiction of Christ's sacrifice I have ever seen in film or, or book or anything. It is unbelievable. And that story of bro, some bro, wait, wait, wait. The passion? What? No. The passion was awesome, but I think okay. Grant, you know, was uh, was a, an amazing thing. Like the passion didn't really talk so much about why Christ was sacrificing himself. I mean, it went into detail about the sacrifice, but Gran Torino painted the whole picture of love and sacrifice that went into um, went into what Christ did for us. Huh. And uh, I don't even know if they did that on purpose. I mean. They probably thought that they were like, hey, this is kind of cool how it lines up with Christianity. But um, <laughs> Yeah, and if Jesus is a surly old man in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Who hates everybody. Anyway, so, like, that to me is is a great um, kind of mark to go for. Like, that's a great target of, like, that is something that appeals to everybody and still has the Christian message as loud and clear as I think it's ever been. What what draws us to the certain types of games? Would you say? I mean, like for me, it's like what draws my imagination. So, what what could draw our imagination to a Christian video game? Uh, seeing um, stuff that I've read, like depicted in like a a format that I understand. You know, like like I've seen like Christian cartoons, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. But I'd like to see something where it's more interactive because video games as a media format are definitely a lot more interactive. And so, like, just as an example, because I was thinking of this, like, a game where you're Samson and you're slaying the Amalekites or, or whoever he's slaying, I forget. But, like, you you have acquired a donkey's jawbone and you have slain 500 dudes. You know, that would be, honestly, that'd be pretty cool. So you're um, saying it should be Dynasty Warriors. That's really what <laughs> Dynasty Warriors. Samson, the Dynasty Warriors game. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but that's what would draw me, like, seeing, seeing the stories that I know in a format where I can interact with it. You know what I mean? I don't know, like, I see a lot of, uh, when I look at games on Steam, I'm like, oh, I've played that, I've played that, I've played that. And this is this is just regular worldly worldly games, you know, it's like, yeah, i played that type of game before, played that one before. Um, and so I think a lot of gamers are just looking for, for something something interesting to, to mm. check out. At least I am. And, uh, and, I don't know, just like the action, not action games, um... I know role-playing games are interesting sometimes. Uh, depends on the world and how much you put into it. Um, you know, shooters are cool. Uh, I'm sure most Christian games aren't going to be shooters. <laughs> but um, I don't know, just like some interesting mechanic. And then just put your faith like very, um, I don't know. Uh, it's It's hard to see unless you're like, I don't know, looking for it type of thing, at least with a game, because the game is like, oh, I can do this. Now I need to finish this and do that. Mm. And, uh, um, I don't know, and then just the faith, I think, is just you see it over the storyline, the course of the story. And, uh, but you need to have those, those hard, fast gameplay elements in it, which we've already discussed. And just mm-hmm. something that's like, oh, that's cool. I've always wanted to do this thing. 
just like like you know all the kind of weird things that they have out now, like the simulators for everything, like surgeon simulator, and yeah, farm simulator. I've always wanted to be a farmer. Simulator. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, just like simulate something. Not necessarily that's the game you want to go for, but just like it's like yeah. let us do something we've never done before and yeah. get that really well done and accurate, and then insert the story about God who is awesome. <laughs> Well, I, I can tell you that I got the um, Oculus Rift, and um, oh, when, sweet. I, when I got that and I put it on and I I looked around inside the little demo house that they give you in um, in Italy, um, the first thing that went through my mind is this is absolutely the best way to show the resurrection of Christ. Like, what would it be like if you could travel along that road with those two women? you know, in a cutscene kind of way, but you can look around, you look up and down and all over the place and to go there and to be able to see the, the, the stone rolled away and the angel and, and just to experience that story that's so familiar to us. And so because it's so familiar, it kind of loses some of its power, I think. Yeah. Um, totally. And so just to be able to tell those stories in new ways is, is something that excites me as a developer. Um, yeah, definitely. Have you guys heard of that dragon cancer? Yes. Okay, so That Dragon Cancer is uh, made by a friend of mine, uh, Ryan Green, about his son that uh, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Um, I, for- I forget the kind of cancer. Uh, when he was two, and um, yeah. just about their awesome. their family struggle um, with, that, with that diagnosis and, and what it's like being a dad of a child that's been diagnosed with that. And so... Um, they have told their family story in this game, that dragon cancer. And it got a lot of coverage on Polygon and IGN and like everywhere, like Forbes. I think I saw an article there anyway, um, lots of, lots of media coverage. So anyway, um, I, I was able to talk with Ryan and, uh, and play some early, um, gameplay of, of the game and help him with some feedback and stuff. Um, and while you could say that this game is a point and click adventure type game, it's not in the normal sense. I think that Ryan has created a new kind of game, a new kind of game genre, which is the testimonial game. It's a game where you are able to experience walking through someone else's shoes for some sort of experience, for some short period of time. Um, and I think that that is something new and really exciting. Um, we saw a glimpse of that with um, uh, Papers, Please. Um, yeah, that's a great you, game. You get this, you get this glimpse of what it's like to be, you know, maybe in a shallow way, maybe just for a short period of time, what it's like to be uh, a border security guy, right? Yeah, yep. that's that's kind of what um, uh, that dragon cancer is like. It's like mm-hmm. you get to walk in those shoes for a little while and and feel those feelings and and hear what the doctor's telling you and try to console your wife and stuff. I I know it's all very. It's like, why the heck would I play that? Um, it's kind of like watching Passion of the Christ. Like, why would you ever watch that again? It's so miserable. But mm-hmm. it's so brilliant in its artistic truth. Um, and it's just, it's a pretty phenomenal thing. So I think it's possible that Christians can be creating new forms of game um, that the world's never seen. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Um, yeah. I had, a, I had a question that's kind of been poking at me. Um, what and unless somebody else has wanted to answer Zach's question, no. Okay, cool. So, 
what would you guys like to see? What would you guys like to see change in secular games? And what would you like to see done in a Christian game specifically? Who Can would I like start? to go first? You may go first since you asked your question start. in answer. To okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I would like to see. I would like to see secular games uh, approach more emotional dealings and and hard stories. You know, The Last of Us. I love The Last of Us. I love the story of Joel and Ellie and and uh, stuff going on like that. Um, and I'd love to see more stuff that deals with like hard stories and hard situations. Uh, not even necessarily from like, um, oh, it's down and dirty and it's gritty, but like real life stuff. You know what I mean? Um, and as far as Christian uh, games are concerned, I would like to see, um, honestly, I'd like to see like a Dynasty Warrior style Samson with a Jabba. <laughs> <laughs> I second that one. <laughs> um, I can go next. Yeah, go, go ahead. Okay, um, from the secular standpoint, um, I really, I, I really don't have anything to say because I, I don't have. I would love to see less nudity, less swearing, less uh, gory violence. Like that would be great. But I, I guess I just understand that broken people make broken things, and um, and and that's just not going to change. They're just going to keep running down that path further and further. You know, to get that shock value, to have that. Um, you know, we got banned in Australia, so you should buy mm-hmm. our game, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, that's just going to yeah. keep happening. So, yes, I wish that they would turn around, do a U-turn, and, and come back. But um, I, I just – I look at that and just say, okay, whatever. Like, that's the world. It's going down its path. Mm-hmm. For Christian games, um, this is what drives me. I want to tell familiar stories in new ways. Um, I've, I've been working on um, – I put it down, but uh, I was working on a game about Gideon. And when I started digging in and working on that game about Gideon, it was uh, pretty phenomenal how much detail there is in that story and also what is is left out. And so um, I think that Gideon was actually um, someone who was very fearful and didn't have courage. And that's the supernatural side where, where God picked someone who was insignificant and didn't have a lot of confidence um, and a teenager, maybe about 14 or something like that. And God took that life and did amazing things. And so I wanted to try and take that story and, and make it real for people. Like, mm-hmm. like I think the other guy was just saying, like to, to just, you know, what is that like when you go and destroy your dad's idol mm-hmm. and you wake up in the morning and set breakfast and he's like, what the, where's my, like, what yeah. happened? And all this, like, and it's like, do you confess and tell your dad that you did that? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, like these are the parts of the story that are so easily glossed over. So just for myself, um, you know, that, that's the kind of thing that really interests me and what, I, what I'm working on. I will one day finish my Gideon game. I sh- I'm, ma- I'm making it an RPG maker. <laughs> um, and nice. uh, yeah, it's a JRPG of Gideon. <laughs> so anyway, one day I will finish it. Well, a JRPG. Yeah. I thought you brought up an amazing point. Like you were, when you brought up Papers, Please, um, you know, just that it's like, oh, what is it like to be this guy? Because you have to, I don't know if everybody's played Papers, Please, but um, I have not. 
you, like you said, you're like a border guard who stamps the papers for people getting in. And, uh, you know, you got these people come in and they're trying to give you, some of them are trying to give you fake information. And so you got to catch them. And so that's the game part is you got to, you got to check their stamps, check their, the date of when this was given, what wasn't given. And then you got people that have like sob stories when they come in. It's like, oh, my husband just got in, but my papers are messed up. And it's like, well, sorry, ma'am, your papers are messed up. And it's like, do you let them in? Do you not let them in? And there's definitely backlash when you don't. And uh, every day at the end of the, the end of the day of the game, you have to go home and it tells you how much money you made. And uh, you barely make any money and you're trying to keep your family alive. And uh, people start getting sick and they start dying. And then people try to bribe you to get in. So you like, do I take their money? You know, type of thing. And it's like something you never really thought about before. And uh, it's just, it's a great experience uh, to do something that you don't do, you know? So, um, so I played lots of games where I'm an action hero and I, and devastate my enemies and all this other stuff. And so now with all these new indie titles coming out, with like interesting things we've never done before, I think that's um, I think that's would be really helpful in our Christian market. It'd just be like it's like, oh have you ever, you know, built a house before and then like get home and you know, see your kids type of thing and uh, I don't know, it's just like these new experiences doing things we've not done or uh, make a game about something we've not seen before and uh, obviously make it great quality and excellent and uh, I think if it it would help to take off just doing doing interesting things things we've never seen okay so I guess I'm going last (laughs) all right from well secular games if you want to use the word secular I would like to just see more interesting game settings and crazy experimentation with mechanics. That's just my thing. I'm sort of a magic circle kind of guy, and that's what I like. (laughs) I like messing around with rules and systems, and the aesthetics are a nice addition, but I just feel like a lot of games just don't engage me enough, even on like just a mechanics-based level, to really get me going. And So I play a game for a couple hours, and then it's like, uh, you know, I've kind of seen this before, you know, because I've played a ton. (laughs) The problem is that it's just getting too samey, and the only interesting things that are happening are coming out of, like, mid-range, low-budget developers. Even Japan has interesting stuff, but there's just lessened interest in the West towards Japanese games. Definitely. Definitely. Are are you into, like, Minecraft-y type games at all? I know you never mention them ever, but Um, have you ever tried it? I'm just curious. I am not into games with open worlds. I find them very boring. And unfocused. It's just that's just personal preference on my part. Nothing wrong with that stuff. Just not if they were more focused on objectives of any kind, I would enjoy them. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, just like survive. That's <laughs> not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Yeah. Um, as far as Christian games go, I honestly don't know what I would like to see in a Christian game. I think we have a lot of great ideas on a lot of things we could do. I just don't know what exactly I would like to see. I I think it's more of an issue of when somebody makes that game and I play it, I'll know what it is. Mm. Right. I'm just uncertain as to what would uh, what a Christian game would do in comparison, or that is different so much so that I would be able to tell that it came from a Christian developer or non. But again. This is all up in the air. 
there aren't a lot of Christian games out there, and the ones that were in the past were bad. So definitely there's some room for something really cool to come out. <laughs> and I'm definitely hopeful about it. Yeah, even if a really good would come out, it may not even be in the type of genre that you like. So, <laughs> yeah, like Adam's Venture is a adventure game, and adventure games yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So, any final thoughts, or shall we wrap um, this up? <laughs> I had I had one final thought, and it's actually from something I think I think Zachary was saying. Uh, if a Christian, and this 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 is more like food forethought. Rather than I need you guys to answer this now. Um, <laughs> if a, if a game is going to be made by a company who professes themselves to be Christian, does it have to be with Christian content, specifically like Bible stories, or could it be uh, more something ambiguous like testimonials or like something like that Dragon Cancer, or um, or maybe just stuff with good values and and good gameplay, and then you can like when you're like. Hey, I wonder who made this. You can go look into the company and see that they're Christians and be like, "Wow, maybe there's something to this." You know, that's just my thought. Hmm. Um, getting to the original uh, topic of the portrayal of sin in media and that kind of stuff, um, it's not a new issue for Christians uh, to wrestle with this. Um, in the 1600s, when the Sistine Chapel was finished uh, by Michelangelo. He has a, um, a huge mural behind the altar um, that has uh, in the bottom right corner, if I remember correctly, um, depiction of hell and uh, people being thrown into hell and um, suffering and that kind of stuff. And when the Pope saw that, his, you know, finished Sistine Cap Chapel that, you know, the church spent all his money on everything. When he saw that, he was like, you can't put that in church. You can't have all that nudity and and suffering and evil and, and just, you know, Michelangelo depicted evil evilly. And, um, and so they said, you can't have that. And they covered it up. Yeah. And they painted over all the nudity too, which is very strange. Yeah. So, um, when you start digging into these issues, you find out that they are, um, they've been around for a while and, uh, there's some really good thinkers, uh, on this. And so, uh, I've had the pleasure to read some of those things and uh, just to explore this topic further. All right. I guess I could just take it away. All right. Thank you. Cool. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Michael. Thank and you. Thank you, Matt. You're welcome. For joining me in this thing. All right. So, Absolutely. Thank you for being on the Theology Gaming Podcast. And thank you for listening to the Theology Gaming Podcast. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe to the Theology Gaming Podcast on iTunes or whatever kind of weirdo service you use to get podcast stuff. Give us a five-star rating. (laughs) Give us a five-star rating. We'll really enjoy it. Uh, Write a review. That also helps us out. Share with friends, etc. If you'd like to see more on Theology Gaming writing, Go to TheologyGaming.com. Join us at Theology Gaming University on the Facebook group. You can send me an invite and I'll add you because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> Any other shameless self-promotion you'd like to do before you leave? Party time! No. <laughs> uh, go for it. Check out the game I'm working on. It's called uh, Archmage Rises. Uh, it's ArchmageRises.com. And um, yeah, you can check it out. I'm happy to talk to anybody who's interested in it. Cool. Uh, my name's Matt. I live at my house with my wife and children. 
And that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> I go to work every day and come home. So, Matt Eiler, facts about myself. He is a guy, and he does not have a website. <laughs> but he could. He could. I could have a website someday. Someday. And I'm Michael Jones, and I also don't have a website. <laughs> but you're, like, supposedly the guidance counselor, pastor, singer, magic. Yes, this is true. <laughs> I need to write a bio. Dang it. Yeah, write it soon. Okay, I'll write All right. it soon. All right, well, thanks for joining us. Uh, see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Or listen. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs>